Berserker Cast, episode number 10, Till Death Do Us Part. Golden Spiral Media presents Berserker Cast, a podcast dedicated to falling skies on TNT. Each week we discuss the action and drama that unfolds as Tom Mason, Captain Weaver, the Berserkers, and the rest of the Second Mass fight to win back the planet from the alien overlords. Call in your thoughts about each episode at 304-837-2278 or email feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com. And now, Berserker Cast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Berserker Cast. I'm Daryl. And I'm Houston. As in, <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. I think we have exercised the demons. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. They're out now? Yeah, I think We've so. We've got everything. We'll find out. Those of us joining us for the live show, we just had a couple of uh, audio demons and video demons, but I think they're gone. I think we're good now. This is going to be a good one. I think so. And you and I are riding off the high of just having interviewed Doug Jones, which is pretty That's spectacular. Right. We're going to give you that episode in a couple of days. That'll be episode 11 of Berserker Cast. So look for the bonus episode in the feed in a couple of days. You get to hear our voices not once, but twice this yeah, week. Our you voices. Those are the God. voices they're yes. most looking forward I to. I mostly talk through the interview, so I hope you like my voice, right? <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was a joke because Doug Jones was fantastic and has a bunch of great insight to the show and to his character and also into other aspects of Hollywood in general. So it was just so much fun to talk with him about his, I don't know, just experience all over the board, really. Yeah, who knew that the Volm were allergic to Oreos? I know. I can't believe, can you believe how they said they found that out too? No, crazy oh, thing, man. yeah. You yeah. want to tell us about it? <laughs> no, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't lie and make them. Can't oh, lie and fly. So cool. And then we'll get emails. I didn't hear anything about Oreos because that's how all of our listeners sound right there. <laughs> I'm going to tell them you said that. Oh, no, don't. No, uh, we're so glad you've joined us, though, here as we are talking about what episode? I guess this is uh, episode, episode nine of the season, nine? though. I see. Yeah. Uh, Till Death Do Us Part, which aired on August the 17th, 2014. While I was driving back from Podcast Movement in Dallas, I didn't get to see the episode until yesterday. What? True story. Criminal. Well, I'm sorry. You'd rather do Podcast Movement than Berserker, or than watching Falling Skies. Last year, you were at Comic-Con. Yeah, I was. That was challenging those were some audio challenges man that was worse than what we've dealt with tonight by far but uh, anyway i'm so glad that we've yes. got it all worked out and uh, we're gonna hopefully deliver a very good episode for you just like we got delivered a very good episode of falling skies as i said till death do us part that's, that's pretty significant that's pretty significant yep directed by carol barbie and i don't know how to pronounce the their writer actually name. i got that backwards Did it was you? written by carol barbie Oh, it and was directed by Greg Beeman. Oh, Beeman. That's how you say that. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I say <laughs> these things just to get the death daggers from you. <laughs> and then I laugh about it. So it, it really goes over well. <laughs> and yes. in this episode, we got to see Desiree Ross as mm -hmm. Mira again. And the last episode, probably with Dakota Dalby. Yeah. And as team leader. I gave up my mother. I betrayed my own mother. Mr. Team Leader himself. I'm a new patriot. Yeah, yeah you are. You're a yeah. new dead patriot. That's right. We'll talk about the death scene. I have a <laughs> special note in there because I, I, I think it'll be fun to talk about. Yes, I think it yeah. will. Well, let's get it kicked off tonight with uh, some feedback that we got in from one of our regular listeners and contributors, Barb. Take it away, Barb. This episode was heavy on relationships and gave us a myriad of emotional reactions in the very stressful Falling Skies world. We saw great joy, lover spats, friendship betrayed, sibling rivalry, sudden enlightenment, think hand palm to the head moment, some apologies and some not apologies, silliness and seriousness, 
I think it had a, b- a broader spectrum of human interaction among a more diverse group of people than we've ever seen on this show. And I'm not sure why, unless it's to provide a break from the fighting, which is okay, but I personally like the action. Quit talking and start fighting. That's Barb's mantra. Arg. That's right. Arg. So, uh, Daryl, I have a surprise for you. Uh-oh. I watched a movie this weekend. No way. Which one? I watched Independence Day. Did you? Yes. 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 And I take back everything about the show being unique and one of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> I was amazed at how perfectly this episode fit in with the entire story on Independence Day. <laughs> I learned a new factoid about Independence Day this week. You know, what I brought up last week was how they were all just going to magically know how to fly this Volm ship. And, you know, because you see that in the movie, it's like, yes. how does anyone know how to fly these alien ships? Well, there was a scene that was deleted from the movie in which there's a line that says that all of our technology is derived from alien technology that from an alien spacecraft that they uh, captured and have had in Area 51. And and so like MacBooks and all the cool technology all comes from alien technology. And that's how they were able to use the technology to use the uh, fly the spaceships because it was all derivative. But yeah, I just found that out this week. That movie is like, what, 20 years old? And I just learned that this week. Is it that old? Something like that, probably. 15. When did it come out? I don't know. It's. I would come think on. it's at least 15 years old. Okay. I don't know. Why don't you that IMDb it? Yeah, we should. All right. Let's, Last I time what. I opened up an extra, an extra tab, my entire computer froze. Oh. So I'm going to stop doing that. See, you need some alien technology in your browser. I do need alien technology. All right. Well, let's talk about some alien technology, a.k.a. wireless electricity. Wireless electricity. So what I heard then was these are lunar panels on the actual ship. Those are what lit up? They call them lunar panels. I, I think that that's just kind of a a pet name for them, if you will, yeah. because they, they lit up by the moon. But yeah. That was that was really interesting. I mean, that whole scene, just like as they, as they realize what's probably going on, and mm-hmm. Cochise says, all this time we've been looking on Earth for the power source, and it's been on the moon. Right. And Mickey, wasn't it Mickey last week that said, we, we were asking what is on the moon, and, and he said it's the power source, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, well done, Mickey. He's in the live show right now, yeah. so give Dude, it up to it. you. Yep. Congratulations on that. And I loved Cochise's reaction when he realizes that's the reason they haven't been able to find the power source all this time. Can can you can you swear like he did? What did he say? Oh, I, I don't know. But oh, uh, I've already forgotten. Yeah, um, Doug was able to Oof. to do it though. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember. Great story about that on set, by the way, that he shared yes. with us. Another teaser, as if you didn't like. We don't have to tease you about any parts of the interview. We know that you're probably as excited to listen to it as we were to talk with him. So, but yeah. we'll probably tease a little bit of it anyway because that's the way we are. Right. So. Tom proposes probably mm-hmm. his most absurd plan ever. <laughs> and the show probably proposes its most absurd plan ever. I think we said, what, last episode or the episode before, are you, are you having trouble believing this? <laughs> and at the time we were like, this is a show about aliens. There's right. really nothing we can't really stretch to. And the, the question always on Fringe was, has the show jumped the shark? Right. And, you know, in comparison to what this show has done, Fringe was rather tame at times. <laughs> Yeah, but here's the thing, and and Doug even mentioned that phrase "jump jump the shark." When he read the script, he he had to pause and think, "Wow, has the show just jumped the shark?" And he didn't actually answer that question whether he thought it had or not. Mm-hmm. But I think no way, not even close. Look, this is already a show about alien technology, various various alien species, and obviously space travel. I mean, that's how all the aliens got to Earth. So to mm-hmm. think that there's Something on our moon, which is completely close to our Earth, from especially in in context of where all these people have come from, to me, it's not jumping the shark in the least. Now, Tom's insistence or his his ever resilient attitude that we choose to go to the moon not because it's easy but because it's hard. I don't think that's jumping the shark either. I love that about Tom. That yeah. is Tom, and and to him not to have that attitude would would be less of Tom than what we saw. 
Right. Well, you know, and that was uh, one of the parts of Kennedy's speech, too, is that all great and honorable actions are accomplished by great difficulty. You know, right. the, it's, it's uh, what does he say? The, the conquest of space deserves the best of mankind. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there's so much truth in, in that whole speech that he gave. What was it? 62, 1962. How, how old were you back then? <laughs> Negative 14. <laughs> I don't know when he gave that speech. Um, I think it was like July 20th, 1962. Okay. Point being. It was before November 22nd, 1963. Which was The day death. he was <laughs> yeah, assassinated. Yes. <laughs> I'm quite sure of that. Quite sure of that. Yes. Uh, point being, he, you know, I, I, I wanted to, my parents weren't even born when he gave that speech. So I, w- I was going to ask him, you know, like, <laughs> what, do, what do you remember <laughs> thinking? But then like, I thought that they would be a little offended. <laughs> but I would just like to know, anybody that was alive at that time, if you're listening to this, what what was the the feeling? Like, did, did, did Kennedy actually have to convince the American population that it was a good idea to go to the moon? I mm-hmm. assume he had to, it was just some regard. But was it as absurd to the American people as it was to the people of the second mass to hear Tom say, yeah, we're going to the moon. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm so glad you thought to pose that of the listeners because I would love to know that too. For for those of you in the listening audience that were around when Kennedy gave that speech, I would, I would love to know what your take on it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the, and even to go beyond that, I guess uh, the, the whole, like, Tom's whole plan is hypothetical. They he bounces some ideas off of Cochise and they they say, Yeah, well, I guess it's possible, you know, and they say, if this, then this, you know, kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and they they surmise a lot, they assume a lot. And that's pretty much what we were doing with space before anyone went up there either. So even though it's it was absurd for Tom to propose that there is a power source up there and that just going up there and launching a missile into the command center of mm-hmm. this uh, space whatever. It was pretty much the same thing in sending just a, a manned spacecraft into space in the first place. Yeah. Now so they can't it's be... only absurd because none of them are astronauts now. Right. And and our technology is quite limited, but the Volm technology isn't, and certainly the Ashvini technology isn't, which is what they're trying to, to do yep. is, is get a hold of that, of course, which is a, it seems to be a good plan. It seems like they're trying to do the old Death Star thing, right? Let's get an right. old Imperial ship and let's use it to sneak into the Death Star. It sounds like that's really what their plan is. Yeah, definitely. Which is also what they did on Independence Day. <laughs> that's correct. But Star Wars did it first. and I'm sure they were the first right. to ever think of a plan like that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I loved Tom's Kennedy speech. Of all the historical things that he has brought out, and I've loved so many of them. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I do. I, I have this thing with Kennedy. Like I, I did my high school f- senior research paper over the Kennedy assassination. He's a, he's a figure that I've always been fascinated with to some degree. And it, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. My fascination kind of ebbs and flows, but it never, never goes away. And so for them to bring that into this story and for him to do the, you know, probably a better Jack Kennedy impersonation than I did. Um, I, I loved it. I think this was my favorite historical tie in so far. He delivered it well. That's for yeah, sure. He did. Now, did you notice the long shot? Who was the director? You said Beeman directed this, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I was thinking he wrote it, but but you you corrected it. So uh, I loved this shot. Did you notice it right right yep. near the beginning? And in, in case you you didn't notice it, uh, those of you who are listening, it starts with Hal and Tom at the top of the rubble. They they've decided they're going to clear the ship out, and it starts there. It's a crane shot, and it, then it it travels with Hal down a couple of ramps, and now he's talking to Maggie, and they're doing Maggie Hal, Maggie Hal, blah de blah de blah, and then when they kind of part their ways, the the crane shot goes back up to the rubble. And then goes right into Tom again as he's talking with Anne. And then it goes quite a ways. And then it does eventually cut to a different shot of Anne. But mm. it's well over a minute and a half of one continuous shot. And when you think of all the people having to hit their cues, you know, like Tom or, or uh, not Tom, but uh, Noah Wiley had to hit his mark and then get in place again for the next mark and the extras running in the background and stuff. 
I love those things because it takes so much coordination and everybody being spot on to to pull those off. So I thought it was awesome. I love that they brought that into this episode. Yeah, I think that's one of the shots that Greg Beeman is well known for. He mm-hmm. does it a lot on this show, and I like to call him long shot is a really good name for it. I I call him in my own head handshake scenes because it's kind of like uh, one conversation that's going on ends and then another conversation that begins kind of picks up on the tails of where that conversation mm-hmm. just ended. So Hal ends that conversation with Maggie by saying, you want to move some rubble? And Tom picks it up with Anne by saying, look at you, you're a machine. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, it's like a handshake to pass it off or passing the baton. Maybe that's a good, right. but yeah, I, I love those kinds of scenes too. It's, it's so masterfully done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Corian is, is it Alfonso? It's Alfonso. It's not Alonzo, it's Alfonso, right? Curion, the guy that did Gravity. Oh. He's he's also known, well, yeah. well known for for those shots as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know what Pope is well known for, and that's uh criticizing people, name calling people, uh turning his back on the people that he's fought alongside until he needs them to be on his side again. So he uh doesn't he, is he just so jumps Sawyer. right into it. He is so Sawyer, right? <laughs> Except he's not as smart. I, I think Sawyer's no. sm- smarter than Pope is. But yeah, he calls um I started to say yeah, it was Maggie. I was I was waffling between Maggie or Sarah. That's actor's name and uh, right. Right. Yeah, Maggie. He calls Maggie. her his house skitter neck girlfriend and i'm just like really i mean when they were afraid of ben and denny and stuff like that it made sense but now that ben is and denny have been have proven their worthiness that it's okay to have spikes in you and still be one of them i just thought it was completely it's it's completely pope but it's also completely out of line yeah no i i completely agree it's like haven't we gone beyond that point yeah and exactly does he really think that maggie qualifies for that even mm-hmm. I don't, you know i really i was really hoping that they took the episode in this direction because a lot of the things that happened between ben and maggie were maybe a little predictable but they they confirmed a lot of the mythology that we've just mostly been theorizing over in the last couple weeks and years really but just in how the introduction of the spikes we would assume would initially cause Maggie some discomfort. The mm-hmm. degree to which would is whatever, but she feels she says that she feels like there is something alien moving around inside of her that she can't really control anything. That feeling of out of control, and it's it's really because this new technology has been introduced to her body. But you know, it's the, it's that persistent discomfort and just an unknowingness of what's next. And I'm glad that they started the episode here because of the way the rest of it unravels, of course. But they did a good job of just confirming here that Maggie is with Hal and that there's there's really no, not even any thought of Ben in that way. I mean, in terms of the developing love triangle that's been going on. Because it's been pretty one-sided, <laughs> yeah. at least from our perspective. Yeah. Well, I did, it was definitely the the love triangle obviously became much more out in the open in this episode. And and they did, they explored a lot of relationships in this episode, yeah. the Hal and Ben relationship. We'll talk more about that. Of course, the Hal and Maggie relationship that comes as a result of that. But mm-hmm. I loved what they did with the Tom and Anne story mm-hmm. and their relationship. And it started really right there where she's not on board with his outlandish plan to go to the moon. And, and he's, he's, on board and and the the conversation they had in what looked to be their makeshift living quarters I thought was fantastic and in all the yeah. in every way possible the way it it kind of opened up these characters in case we didn't realize what roles that they were playing it spelled it out clearly for us I thought the actors did a great job I thought it was well written and and really mm-hmm. it was one of my favorite scenes of the entire episode That's a really good point you know just they've they've really actually settled in here which we haven't seen them do at all this season, especially with each other. But yeah, I loved that scene between them too. I thought their chemistry was spot on. And in contrast to the ongoing relationship drama between Maggie and Hal and Ben, we see a very adult conversation in Tom and Anne. And mm-hmm. we see we see them work it out maybe a bit hostile at first, but... Tom finally voicing that, you know, I am the realist in this situation. Well, 
sorry, yeah, he he's the realist, mm-hmm. and is the dreamer, and is the one with faith. He can't, uh, he can't have that same kind of faith. He has to, he has to look at it from the overarching point of view. Yeah, that's really. I, I felt, I felt bad in a way for Tom because I feel like he wants to be able to have mm-hmm. the luxury of of living in fantasy, if you will. Uh, that's that's really not a, a, the the most accurate or eloquent way to put it, but you know, Anne does get to have faith. She does get to 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 believe that there are things out there that are beyond her control or beyond reality. That that things are going to be okay, and he he can't allow mm-hmm. himself. He's just got to keep pushing forward and kind of block that type of thinking out of his mind. And they need that. This is why they need each other. This is why they are yeah. such a, a good. Uh, partnership and you know we we see that partnership come to fruition or or to its fullness uh to its maturity i guess um there at the end of the episode and i can't really tell if i'm surprised or not whether Anne accepted what tom was saying because even though he was very logical and Mm -hmm. presented a very good argument that mother inside of her must still just be stirring and uncomfortable with not going after Lexi at all, despite all of the truth put in front of her face, you know, because I, I half expected her to kind of sneak off in the middle of the night, you know, before the lunar panel started lighting up or whatever, but I half expected her to go off on her own. And I'm glad that this conversation was able to happen. I'm glad that he was able to propose such an outlandish idea because it was kind of what made her stay, you know, if Tom is going to stay here and do crazy things, I need to stay here and make sure that he doesn't <laughs> or sure. something along those lines. And I think we would all agree that, that she has a definite desire to do that thing, to go after Lexi and, and to try to get her daughter back. But I think she does have to have some sort of two things. One reality to say that th- at least enough reality to say that that's not going to happen or it's not going to happen that way. That's not the best method to do that. And the reality yeah. to know that she is best served right now, staying behind and helping out her family, her the, the full yeah. family that they have left, which is not much, you know, the, right. the second mass is almost completely gone. Right. Oh, so sad. Yeah. You know, on that same note, however, I really enjoyed the motherly role she took with Matt in this episode and, and kind of, you know, we, <laughs> We both kind of had the same thought about the little band of individuals going off into the Volm cache on their own, but it presented them with a unique opportunity for for Tom to exercise his both his uh, leadership role and a fatherly role in tying up Mira and prevent or uh, forbidding his son from untying her. And then Anne kind of steps in there and holds him back, but not, not in a, you know, pushing him away kind of a thing, but she wraps her arm around him in a very motherly affectionate way, you know, in, in that we're not, we're not preventing you from doing this because, you know, we don't like her. It's, it's because we are just taking precautions. Here. Right. Yeah. And that turned out to be the case. I thought it was a bit odd though, that all the, almost all the number ones were Mm-hmm. Assigned because this was supposed to be an easy mission. The Ashwini weren't patrolling the area anymore. It's a piece of cake, and yet you have Cochise and Weaver and Anne and Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't guess uh, Hal went, did he? Hal stayed nope. behind. So he, if if yeah. Hal or Anthony would have gone, it would have been all the number ones, if you will. But I still thought it was yeah. a little bit odd that that they chose the people they did. You would have thought at least Tom or Weaver would have stayed behind. Yeah, and I, I really don't see why Weaver needed to be there either. They could have done very well with anyone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know I, I I found that whole situation to be overly predictable and a little bit repetitive. <laughs> it, it was a little bit of a cliche, you know. I I wish they could have found a way around making Mira that wolf in sheep's clothing kind yeah. of a thing. But, you know, they introducing her back in as Matt's once potential love interest mm-hmm. was, it was, it needed to happen, of course. Well, I don't know. I, I can't really think yeah. of any other way for it to have happened, I guess. Well, and, and I, I can't either. That's not what bothered me. In fact, I, I didn't, the scene didn't bother me at all. If, if anything bothered me on this, it was that they were, re, their whole reliance was upon them getting these, this technology that would remove the debris easily that didn't happen 
but because of Mira having the whistle on her, then Shaq was able to convert the whistle and, you know, activate the beamer, which then basically nullified the need for them to have the technology that they didn't get. So there was no negative ramification for them actually not fulfilling their mission. And so that's what bothered me more than anything else was it was all, let's do the mission. The mission failed, but it didn't matter. And, and so, but it did matter because they got the whistle, which ended up solving the problem anyway. Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, oh, okay. yeah, it, it, it solved itself in, in spite yeah. of them quote unquote losing the mission. But yeah, at the same time, yeah. The way that it did work out, I actually liked, so it didn't bother me that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was well acted, which is, I mean, that last scene where where Anne realizes that Tom is about to die inside of that container and runs out, stop, stop. <laughs> that was great. And Tom just dives out, rolls, picks up the gun like a pro. Yeah, a but come right on. Through. I mean, team leader, what's his name, Kent? Yeah. Kyle Kent? Now, machine guns aren't known for being accurate, but <laughs> that was worse than Stormtrooper fire. And Tom jumps around, rolls over, fires one shot, and what do you know? The hero it makes the shot. That's that's typical TV and movies, though, so typical you can't TV. really fault it. Yeah. But but the love of his life was at, was at stake. Oh, I so... know. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty weak. <laughs> so was this wedding a wedding on the beach? Is this was this a good way to have a wedding? It was nice. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It was everything about it. Even Shaq interrupting it going, you humans can continue your ritual later, but right now I have business to talk about. I just, I loved it. Everything. As though he doesn't realize that Tom is the reason that the ceremony is going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, how does, how does the marriage ceremony in Independence Day differ then from from a pirate ship marriage? From Independence Day, you mean... The 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 the, cere- the little wedding ceremony that they have right before he goes up on the ship. Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I really don't. Yeah, I don't because know. Because I think it's like right at a midway point between where I am and where you are. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is perfect. Right yeah. before he goes up to possibly die, but See, the thing that, still well, on listen, solid ground. We're not going to rehash this, but I will just say the I'm thing I don't like about the piratey wedding is that it is in the midst of a battle. The ship is being torn apart, and they're like, I know that I could be more useful fighting right now, but I want to marry you instead. That's the ridiculousness of it to me. Here, they were not in the middle of a battle, you know, literally. It, it would have been like when Mira blows the whistle and everyone, everything's, you know, exploding then, team leader and all those people are, are, are there. If they had gotten married in that spot, that would have been on par with the well, pirate that would have movie. just been ridiculous. Nobody would do that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they were on a pirate ship. <laughs> Silly me. What was I thinking? Anyway. <laughs> Bring it we back did, in. We did warn you that we were going to be talking about pirates at some point during this uh, podcast. So hopefully you don't did mind. We? we did. We warned them last week. Oh, okay. Yeah. We even told them to go listen to our triple cast. Oh, that's right. We did, didn't we? All right. Where are we at in our well, notes? Because we, we moved ahead, which was, yeah. which was great because it, it just flowed right in. But now I'm not sure what all we skipped. Let me look. Uh, we, we could talk about the uh, Maggie situation if you want, or do you want to wrap up anything else with Tom and Anne and that stuff? Tom and Anne. You know, the only the only thing that really stuck out to me that other than the brief conversation they had about Lexi mm-hmm. at the beginning was that there was no Lexi at all in this mm-hmm. episode. Right. And, and it makes me, I mean, not, not I don't doubt that she's coming back. It's just... Oh, sure. I mean, to not have any information at all about how her training is going, it's a. I don't know if we should be worried or just not worry or not even think twice about it. I don't think <laughs> she was out at her training, and I think that's where she was. Now, what we still don't know what that means, what yeah. the ramifications of it will be, but yeah, yeah. But I, I am glad that that they are at least in agreement about where their focus needs to be, and I think that was probably the mm-hmm. the best thing about heading into that marriage and about Tom's proposal, is that they they had worked through their issues before they got to that point, and now they know where each other stands and where their focus is. Right. So I'm yeah I I thought that that marriage was very well well timed 
in the overall I episode did. and overall season, overall story. Yeah, I mean, in marriage, I mean, in this situation that they're in, I mean, I can see why people would think there's no need for it. But at the same time, it was it is a thing that we do. It is a, it yeah. is a, you know, and to, to say, even in the midst of this, we're better together and we're better committed to each other. So it was nice. Again, it, it kind of still, I think gr- helped, helped ground everybody and re- yeah. kind of remind people that we are still humans. We, we yep. do this thing, you know, and right. so it was nice. Yeah. We still bury our dead. We still get married. Yep. I mean, not that they're the, they're almost the same thing, but yep. they're at least on the same. We still bear children that are, Slightly alien. Half aliens. Yeah. The normal stuff. Right. Normal stuff. Uh, The normal stuff. We we, we talked a little bit about team leader, but I do want to circle back around to his death. And were you happy with it? Were you, were you like, finally the dude is dead or were you wanting to string it along a little bit more? Did you want uh, Matt to be the one to pull the trigger? What were your thoughts on, on all of that? Huh? I don't know. I felt like it was a bit sudden because we hadn't seen him in a couple episodes. Yeah. I I don't think I could have planned it any better, though. I mean, pretty much it was shot or be killed kind of a thing. Uh, I thought it was good that we got some final words out of Kent. And I, how do you interpret his last phrase there? His last, just like how he said he he gave him he, he gave, gave them his, his mother. Mm-hmm. Do you do you interpret that as like a confession or or guilt that he wanted to voice or? It did seem a bit weird. Like, why would you even say that? I took it as he was that he was just saying, "This is how much I believe." Because his oh. his dying words were also, "They are our brethren," and you know, blah 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 blah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he was just saying that okay. that's really what he believes. He believes it to the point where he gave up his own mother. Okay, that would make more sense because I was kind of thinking he was lying there, going, "I have to believe this because I gave them my mother." But I think he's and a little bit more committed to it. I think that I don't could know. be it too. I don't know. I don't either. I guess I guess I'm just wishing that he had a little regret there and didn't die sure. completely brainwashed. Sure. I, I can but, yeah. I but at the same time we didn't have any yeah. backstory on him, so no redemption yep. for that character doesn't bother me in the least. No, not at all. Yeah. And and I think it actually kind of solidifies how we perceive the Ashveni yeah. and what they're doing yeah. to the humans so yeah no i i mean i i guess in the end when you when we put it that way i really enjoyed it i like it i like how uncertain i was about what that last statement meant and i think that means that he went out well so mira didn't die though right she she ran off or did she did not die i don't know where she's at if she she ran off i don't know where she went i don't know Hmm. okay so we might see her again Mm -hmm. i would think so I, I don't really see what use the Nazi camps have anymore, though. I mean, if if Team Leader is dead, we don't really have any connection to them. Well, only Mira. Yeah. I think there's still the, uh, you know, the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom thing. At the at the end, you still want to free the children and see them run back home to their parents. I don't, you know, something like that, maybe. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. We get we can't forget that there are a lot of children and adults possibly mm-hmm. held captive by right. those re-education camps. Mm-hmm. What would be weird, hmm, this just now occurred to me, what would be weird okay. is if when they shut down the the power source, I'm assuming they will, I think, I mean, I think they will. I, I don't know, but um, but what if the, the Ishveni are using some sort of mind control device that, is, that plays on the, the brain's, uh, energy fields and you know because the electricity going through the brain and stuff or there's uh-huh. some other electronically controlled device that they are using so what if when that thing gets shut mm-hmm. down all the people that are like team leader that seem to be brainwashed suddenly you know have an awakening i like that because didn't they didn't they compare the thing on the moon being like the tether to each of the individual mm-hmm. ghettos they did. so that could definitely be i really like that I do too. I kind of hope that happens now. Yeah. yeah. I like my own theory. Who knew? <laughs> I'm going to second my theory. In fact, <laughs> I don't care if you like it or not. I like it. And that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Well, despite not liking Mira, I, I really liked the way Matt, Matt handled that whole situation. I felt like it, it resembled very much what his father would do. In what way? In this, 
in the same kind of situation where he's been deceived by someone that he initially trusted. You know, when they when Tom initially trusted those two brothers. Right. He got dragged off but still tried to still tried to save them in the end, you know, you don't have to do this. You can let me go. I have a I have a Sunday Matt, my son Matt. <laughs> and he I don't know, I felt like Matt was kind of doing the same thing with Mira in that he wasn't lured in by her betrayal and yet he still tried to save her in the end. You don't have to do this. You can come with us. I, I think he, that's what he said, you know, or maybe it was just help me or something. But okay. I just felt like he was emulating his father a little bit in those final scenes. Okay. I could go for that. Well, let's talk about Maggie and Hal and Ben, the new love triangle. Do you think Hal knew something was up or at least because he, he suggested, hey, why don't you hang out with Ben? He's been there. He can help you through through that experience. And do you think he did yeah. that not realizing that Ben had feelings for Maggie? Or do you think he did that and, and then to himself thought, I better keep an eye on these two? Well, I think last week I said that I could have sworn Hal was having thoughts about Ben's feelings toward Maggie. Mm-hmm. You know, just the way he kind of went off and called Ben the hero, but it could have just been because he felt helpless and not being able to help Maggie, I suppose. It sure doesn't seem like it, though. He he sure offers it up pretty quickly. Or maybe it was reluctantly. Yeah. Like, he cares more about Maggie learning to deal with her new power more than he's worried about Ben moving in on his girl. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. I, I was kind of of the Im- impression that he had suspicions about Ben, but then with him kind of offering Ben up that way, I, I kind of, I think he, I don't think he did. I think he just innocently or, or wasn't spying on them. It was just one of those things. Yeah. And, and cause maybe looking for her, hadn't seen her all who day. Knows? Because I think if he had yeah. been spying, I think he might've had a better understanding of, of what happened. You, yeah. you know, and, and might not have reacted the way he did. Would have seen the spikes did. glowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. So did you like the way that Maggie was, it was like a superhero trying to learn their, how to control their superpowers, right? Definitely, definitely. I liked it for a number of reasons. First, as I already pointed out, that she she felt like the spikes were intrusive and that she didn't understand them. And so she has to fight through that initial fear that, denial of actually wanting to harness them in a certain way (laughs) pun intended and so she has to fight through an emotional and a physical battle in order to overcome them and so when when she finally takes ben's hand and they jump and the adrenaline kicks in it's like that's when he says that the the spikes are learning to become part of you or uh, the spikes are starting to understand that they're a part of you and and she said yeah it feels like they have or Sorry, she says, you make it sound like they have a mind of their own. And Ben says, they do. They want to control all of you. But there, there's a certain um, skill to learning how to balance all of that out. Yeah. And I thought that whole learning experience was so well done. I mean, both both in the way how the actors played off of each other. But it, I just I found it to be tense with emotion, too. Especially with the story about how of Ben remembering his mother, you know, yeah, and the first connection. Well, there. we had never really, we've never really been given that information before about how how much he struggled. We knew that he struggled and stuff, yeah. but yep. we never really understood it to the to the level that he explained it here. So it was a great piece of information, uh, yeah. and the, the line where he says they want to control all of you. That was really important, I think, and and really uh, eerie. I mean, it was like, man, there's it's like a constant battle. These things are really great, but at the same time, they are trying to take over you. And that that really gave me a new appreciation for Ben's resilience and his strength to be able to keep them at bay. And hopefully, Maggie will as well, And, and Denny too. I'm sure, right? Right. Fun fact. Greg Beeman said that when they were done editing this episode, that they came up two minutes short. No. So that whole scene where there, where he explains about his his past or about his experience with his powers, that they wrote that at the very end and then shot it within two hours for the episode. So it wasn't even going to be added in there. Yeah. Just 
Yeah, so. That's a cool factoid, was, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was p- probably the best thing that they could have done for this episode because I think Barb said in her feedback that there was a lot of exposition and a lot mm-hmm. of talking and a lot of relationships. And this is another one where you could consider it a bottle episode, bottle, you know, in, in that it's a low-budget one. So despite it being so low-budget, I felt like we got so much quality information and minute resolutions in people's lives so that we could go on to the next big battle that's coming. You know, it's, it's been action, action, action. Right. So yeah. thought it was good in that way. What did you think about Maggie and Ben feeling each other and, and kind of sharing and experiencing some of the same emotions? I'm assuming this is because his spikes were taken from him and given to her because we never really saw Denny and Ben experience this type of connection, right? Right, and that is exactly what I had thought at first, too. But do you remember that season one episode when Ben goes in to Karen after... She, maybe it was season two. I can't remember exactly. But it was it was after her harness had been removed and they had found her lying off in the ditch or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. They, I can't remember if they kissed or not, but I know their spikes glowed and they got really close yeah, I I I had forgotten about that. I'm glad you remembered that. But even then I you know because she was really if she wasn't the Ashvini overlord yet, then she was really ranking up there. So I think yeah. that she was being she was controlling him sure. like an Ashvini would. Definitely in hindsight that would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad you but remember I think, that. I had forgotten about that. I think it's a lot more direct here mm-hmm. in that, you know, she, Maggie was able to feel what Ben was feeling and he has not had that connection with anyone else in Spikes yet. Yeah. Maybe maybe they've been more perceptive or aware of each other because there was some way for him to sense that they're coming, you know, and maybe that's more just of heightened senses, but it was much, much more direct. And so, I, I mean, I totally expected that to happen, but I really liked the way it played out because Maggie, like, doesn't know what to do with yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and then we get into the Neo training exercise, you know, the leap of faith and then the shooting, the double guns. We've seen that double gun shot used in some of the promo pieces, and now we finally got the footage that the double gun shot was taken from and yeah. uh, that my sign-off will, or my episode rating, rather, will be taken from from that scene okay. there. But I loved this, and we talked last week. What will become of Maggie now? Will she become one of these kind of superhumans like Ben and and Denny are? And it, it absolutely looks that way. And, of course, the flip side of this is they that makes her vulnerable to the Ishvini, you know, and, and mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. he has been this season and, and all the spiked kids are. But it's also nice to see they got, she uh she got the uh Super Mario one up, you know, the powers, the superpower up, yep. you know, when when she got the uh, spikes. So that's that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, and and that she's been able to harness them so quickly yeah. to be able to adjust to that new power. I think I think it was done really well. Mm-hmm. Do you think there is some sort of negative vulnerability if you will because of there's there's spikes do you think like let's let's say for example Mm. ben is controlled by the ashvini do you think that that's going to immediately shut down maggie or vice versa interesting i wonder man that would be really cool to witness Mm kind of like we saw when when um scorch was getting wasn't scorch that was getting it was uh the monk monk that was getting hit and and ben was reacting yeah i was just gonna say yeah yeah Interesting. I wonder, because mm. that would also tell us how biologically intertwined those became. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Were you surprised by the kiss? No, no. I mean, we'd seen kind of they were emotionally connected and we knew that he had feelings for her. Um, now, some of the comments that she made where she was like, I, I like it. I want to do this. But at the same time, she was conflicted. So right, I love Hal. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the bleed yeah. over for her from her getting some of yep. Ben's emotions. That he, that's what yep. was causing her to want to do that. So I thought it's kind of interesting, Definitely. really. Do you think Ben was forcing the feelings on her? Do you think he was? He's passing them on and kind of manipulating her through the way he feels, or is it something that the spikes are doing? Are they changing her? 
to to make him make her perceptive of him. I think no, I don't think he was doing it on purpose. What I think is this was a new skill or a new attribute for him to deal with. You know, he's learned how to deal with I can hear everything and I can jump off of buildings and you know blah 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 blah. But he's never experienced this type of emotional connection with somebody before, so he's having to figure out how to harness it no Mm -hmm. pun intended um and so he hadn't figured that out yet and i think it was just one of those things that they he didn't know how to control and and it was having an effect on her that way so you think when he starts to get really emotional i think he says something like he says something in response to her that would tell her pretty blatantly that he has feelings for her i mean when he starts to have those feelings then and his spikes light up he's passing that all onto her. So they're not really coming from within her. Like she's not feel like she's, I'm not sure if I'm explaining this right, but it's like, because they are sharing the spikes, he's transferring his own feelings to her so that she doesn't necessarily feel them herself. You know, when she walks away from it, she doesn't feel that same thing, mm-hmm. but, but he's during that moment, they have that connection. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. That's what you think? Yeah. Okay. And just like her, when she was clearing away rubble and all of a sudden she threw the concrete all the way across and, and almost uh-huh. hit um, <laughs> Sarah, I think that that's kind of what was happening here. It was just happened and it was out of control. He didn't know how to, yep. how to rein it in. Sure. Okay. Well, we got two very different responses to this whole love triangle from a couple <laughs> listeners. We did. <laughs> Natalie wrote in and said that the kissing scene between Maggie and Ben was the best I've witnessed since Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> I don't understand that reference, but she says that it's an outstanding twist. So I'm guessing it's a good thing. I've heard a lot of positive things about Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I never so. have seen that either. On the other hand, Gannon wrote in and said, one thing I'm not happy about is this love triangle. I feel like it's incredibly forced and completely out of character for Ben to be doing this. And Ben is one of my favorite characters. Now, every time I see him, I want to do what Hal did. Although, (laughs) although it's justified through the spikes, I'm just not digging this storyline at all. And I hope it's wrapped up before the season ends so we can get all three of these characters back in their right mindset. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have made it very clear that I don't, care for love triangles and stuff like that. I mean, very, very rarely, like on lost, I didn't care about the love triangle. I only, the only love interests I ever cared about were son and Jen, uh, Mm -hmm. Desmond and Penny. And then later on was, uh, Sawyer and Juliet. Um, I never really got into the love triangle and I don't, I'm not saying I'm picking a side here and going, Oh, come on, Maggie and Ben, I'm rooting for you. Uh, I'm just saying here, it it didn't bother me. I think because they're all pretty young and, and it's kind of immature what's yeah. happening. So it, it, to me, it doesn't seem yeah. uh, foolish. It just seems like something that young people do when they all think they're in love. Right. Well, especially in contrast to the very adult conversation that Tom and Anne had, mm-hmm. you know, Hal resolves the whole thing by decking his brother. <laughs> and, As and any it, brother should. You stole my girl. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you wouldn't have handled that any differently? You know, I would have. Listen, I, but, but I don't blame Hal or any other brother that would punch his other brother. I think punching your brother is something that you have to do at some point in your life. My brother punched me in the face. I punched my brother in the face. Uh, my brother's the only person I've ever punched in the face, and I only did it one time. It felt weird to, like, my fist making contact with his face. It just felt weird. I mean, physically, I'm like... Mm-hmm. That was weird. So I never did it yeah. again, but I, I do think it's a it's a way that brothers have the ability to 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 solve disputes that way where it makes a little bit more sense than than those outside of that relationship. So I kinda liked it. <laughs> it seemed fitting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Did you and your brothers or sisters ever punch each other? <laughs> oh, I punched a lot of people, but I've never been punched. Uh and it wasn't over a boy. I don't know. I it's not that I I didn't like what happened. I actually I thought it was really good and I thought Drew Roy did a fantastic job of just being that, you know, I'm a little bit intimidated by the connection you guys have, but I'm going to pretend like I'm not and just tell you to stay away from my girl kind of vibe that he had going on. <laughs> I thought it was <laughs> Yeah, I love Ben's retort, right? I'm sorry I didn't see a leash on her. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought it was really well done and it and it makes me wonder if this isn't over, mm-hmm. you know, because if Ben would have said, 
all right, all right, I'm sorry, I bow to your wishes, then that would have been pretty finite, but I have a feeling that we haven't seen the last sure. of this. Yeah. They have to keep but, the love triangle going. I mean, let's yeah. be real here. This is a drama. A, a yep. good chunk of, of TV viewers love this sort of thing, and I think it's healthy for the show to have this as a part of the storyline. Yeah. Well, definitely, because it, 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 like we were saying with marriage and burying your dead, you know, it, it's just another one of those things that makes us human. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can't control who we love, and you got to work out work it out in whatever way that you have available to you while also dealing with the nuances of alien technology stuck inside your brother and your girlfriend. Right. The nuances. Yes. Yes. The nuances. Yes. Uh, well, but, so sorry again. And I'm sorry. We both seem to disagree with you there. You know, I didn't really find it out of character for Ben because we've seen this building the entire season. We've seen him develop feelings for Maggie mm-hmm. very slowly and, it seems like this was a, I, I think it, it seemed sudden for Maggie, but like we were just saying, there's an explanation for why that happened. It happened right. so quickly for her. So, Well, we got some good audio feedback as well about Maggie. So let's listen to Justina first. I'm very happy that Maggie is alive. And even though sharing spikes with Ben is making their personal lives very complicated, I'm excited of the possibility of them becoming an asset in the battle because they can sense each other and feel each other's emotions, which I think can really help them become a very good team in defense of the second mass. Yep, I completely agree with that, and I I hope that's the case. Very well said. And then Barb had this to say. It was amusing watching Maggie test out her newfound Asphini powers. For all that she didn't want alien blood or critters in her veins, she had more fun than a kid on a trampoline. It was interesting to see that Ben Spikes gave her some of his emotions, and I wonder if she's going to feel his disgruntlement the next time he sees her Mm. kissing Hal. Ooh, that is a great question. I I hadn't thought of that. What do you think? Uh, So, Barb, do you think that... Maggie now will die along with Ben. I don't think so. I don't think they're tied that closely. No, I don't think they're. You don't think her his death or her death would cause the other one death? I don't. Barb's in the chat room. Um, there's a little bit. See if she there's a little bit of a lag a bit tonight, of but yeah, let's find out what she says. But I don't think they're. I don't think they're bonded in quite that way. Well, I I liked uh, how much she enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not, I don't know if she's an adrenaline junkie like in her previous life, but she was, she did take a lot of risks because of all of the trauma from having cancer. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it seems like it's connecting her with the exciting side of life again. And yeah, so I loved that big smile on her face after they jumped and they're just, she's just like, I mean, that was that was a smile we've been waiting a very long time to see from her, and yeah. you know that alone might change her mind. Oh, Barb she has says the no. Answer. Oh, she says crap. no. That's right. Barb hey. says no. She doesn't think that they're linked that way. Well, she sided with you earlier, so I. Uh, <laughs> it was just a question. Uh, I was curious as to whether this connection runs a little bit deeper than just emotion. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, technically, then it would go along with what we were saying before about, you know, if, if he's experiencing pain like mm-hmm. he was experiencing from the monk, would she feel it? I would say that if that is true, then the death would be true as well. Almost. I think that not. she might be able to feel it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she, it would have this. It could. I mean, like we said, with monk, it was what was what was physically being done to monk was physically hurting ben so yes it could we just don't know that yet but uh it's a possibility but i'm still gonna say no okay Okay. i'm fine with that you know okay all right speaking of another really traumatizing relationship (laughs) i i I mean it was really interesting to hear doug jones talk about having mira aka sarah as as a new addition to the show to right, the cast. Right. Because even though we love her as an actress, we have not enjoyed her character. Right. At we all. haven't. And this episode just solidified that for me. I mean, what this was a high school relationship argument that they were having most of the time. Yes. You don't believe me. You don't trust me. Actually, I think I wrote in here, 
it's more like Pope is in college. It's like his freshman year of college, and she's a junior in high school. <laughs> you know where, <laughs> where he's all like, "Yeah, I know everything about the world now," and she's all like, "You don't know anything. You think I'm a liar." I mean, it was like oh, I was living in the most traumatic years of my life. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad for Maggie. She's having to listen to all that mess. Oh, I know. Oh, that was so funny. That would make me want to jump the- off a building. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. okay. So at the end, Sarah mm-hmm. left, didn't she? Right, she did. You think that's the end? The last we'll see of her? No. 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 Do you? Pope, you predict Pope will go after her? Maybe, or something will happen, and she'll come in to save the day, or something. Oh. And make us like her. I don't know about that. I There's want to like her. I still want to like her as a character. Yeah. I just don't feel oh, like yeah. I've really connected with her. And yeah, you know, we 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 uh, beat up the. Uh, I know we were all pouring one out for all the people that died, but I want to talk about myself. Speech. You know, we we made fun of that last yeah. week. They did tie it back into this episode, but they didn't make me like that scene from last week anymore, or the dialogue that came out of this episode. So I think I still want to like her, but I, I haven't connected with her yet. Yeah, definitely not. I don't know what else they could do though to make me like her. I don't either. That's the thing. Like it's they've 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 tried to make her tough and they've tried to make her vulnerable and real in a lot of ways, but it still hasn't resonated with me. I think it's it's a lot because she's so isolated from the group. She she came back with Pope, made those wisecracks, added the sass, which was all well and good, but then become a part of the family right Mm. now the only value she has is to pope she hasn't tried to connect with anyone else she says that she's only fighting for pope i mean she really hasn't become part of the family i think you just nailed it i think that's it that makes a whole lot of sense yeah Mm. bummer well maybe she'll come back and say you know what i understand the meaning of family big family hug (laughs) we'll see no maybe okay i don't think so here's hoping yeah. All right. Well, the final scene is um, we, we kind of mentioned a little bit of it earlier. Tom and Ang are getting married. Shaq has a breakthrough with the whistle. That was kind of a nice little. Yeah. We've seen the whistle. Thought it was just a normal whistle. Turns out there's some tech in there, which it did seem odd that they would be using this kind of rudimentary system for alerts. It would make a whole lot of sense that there was actually more than meets the eye with that piece of, of technology that they were using. So I kind of liked this. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where, because they, uh, we didn't talk about this at all, but Dingon and Shaq were down in the control hub of the ship trying right. to make it work, you know, testing this lever or that lever. And it'll be interesting to see whether any of that will actually be necessary now that they have the whistle. <laughs> I know, right? Can yeah. the whistle do any of that or, or, do they have to fly it as well as Mm -hmm. just make it lift off? (laughs) Yeah. And Doug wouldn't give us any info on that. He wouldn't even confirm whether or not he or Shaq go to space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So what do you predict next week then? Are they going to, well, drawing straws, that's the name of the episode next week. Right. So that, you know, huh. drawing straws, the act of drawing straws is to see who's going to be the odd man out to perform a task that no one else wants to do. Right. Is this going to be I the task of going to the moon? I wonder that could be. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to draw the straw? Who's going to, be, who's going to draw the short straw? Mm-hmm. Well, if they make it to the moon, this will officially be the coolest television show ever. <laughs> do you think that they're going to shoot on the moon? <laughs> that the, would be awesome. The moon landing was all done. It was all faked That's and true. done in a studio anyway. So they'll probably just go they'll use, just that, use set. that same scene. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, of course. Hashtag conspiracy theorist. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we had some thoughts from Barb on the Volm and the Beamer. And here's what she had to say. Cochise and Shaq are the straight men of the show, and watching Cochise let loose with his Volm cursing and Shaq become the wedding crasher were laugh-out-loud moments. I hope we see more than that. I know Dark Skies is supposed to be, well, dark, but those quippy comments and one-liners provide a release from the tense moments on this show, and they're very welcome. 
I liked the Beamer spaceship that looked more like a prehistoric pterodactyl, and I hope that it has great speed since it's apparently going to take either our crew or some type of bomb to the moon to blow up the Asfini Command Central. I guess this gives the term supermoon a whole new meaning. Well, they do need two people. They need one person to pilot the aircraft uh-huh. and another person to program the virus to send into the <laughs> alien spaceship. <laughs> That's right. They have to be careful because they can't like blow up the moon or, or move the moon out of its right. orbit, you know, because that's going to screw up the Earth worse than what the Ishvini have done. Oh my gosh! Oh, I I I really actually like this. I mean, it's so different and so bizarre. It is. It really is. I like it, too. Like I and said earlier, I, I don't think they jumped I, the I shark. I don't really feel like they're going to do anything on the moon. Like, I, I feel like it's it's kind of going to build up to this point where they realize that they don't really actually have to send anyone into space. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> but, would be nice. Know, if, they have, if they have a, a way of remotely controlling the Beamer, that would be... Yeah. I wonder what will happen next week. (laughs) Well, we did have some closing thoughts from Gannon. Uh, He said, really enjoyed this episode, brought in some great levity and some comical tones in what has been such an incredibly dark season, especially the last few episodes. Very true. Mm -hmm. And they did it right. He was also happy to see Kent killed off. Definitely not. He didn't want a Karen 2.0 running around, but his death did have some sadness behind it was also thrilled to see Tom and Anne officially married and also continuing to love Shaq. And most importantly, we're going to the moon. <laughs> Can't wait to, wait to see how this plays out. We're going to the freaking moon. I wonder if there's a man on the moon. There uh, will be. There And then we can say be. there's a man on the moon. There's a transformer on the moon, apparently. That's true. On the dark. On the dark side of the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, what was your episode rating, Emily? I gave it nine whistleblowers. Nine? That's a high rating. I know. I loved this episode. I did, too. I gave it nine dead robots. (laughs) I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Even though this is not a bad robot show, I can't say anything with the word robot in it and not do it in the bad robot. Dead robot. Right. Barb gave it. 7.5, 7.5, Volm, Curse Words, and Soap to Wash Out Cochise's Mouth. <laughs> and Barb, you're alone with that rating because Gannon gave it nine Volm Cuss Words. Well, everyone but Barb really liked this episode, so... <laughs> we know who's Barb. wrong. No, right. of course we're kidding. <laughs> that would have been well, me last did, week. We're going to go on that. She does say that she's wrong about all of her predictions anyway, <laughs> That's so... Right. That's right. I didn't say it. She did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you say we get into some twit? I like it. All right. What was the question this week? So this week's Twitter poll question was, has Tom completely lost his marbles or is his plan going somewhere? Tangier 14 says, Tom's plan is going somewhere. It's going to the moon. Jovial Falcon says, Tom is no toodles, marbles intact. Tom's new name is Moonraker. Godspeed, sir. Nice. Nice. Wow. All the references there. Well done. (laughs) And Solo Talk Media says, I think the writers have lost their marbles. The moon, really, is falling skies trying to be Independence Day. (laughs) Dude, I know the reference You got the reference this week. Well... Is it spoilery to give out the rest of the episode titles throughout the rest of the season? There are three episodes, three, well, let's see. Yeah, three hours of of Falling Skies left this season. Three episode titles, even though we're getting two of them on the uh, finale night. Hmm. I don't think they're spoilery. Do you know what they are? Give them up. Have you read them? Okay. So here's what they are. We have three uh, episodes remaining this season, of course. We already gave you next week's episode, which is entitled drawing straws the next the the two-part finale the part one of that is called space oddity which i love (laughs) i'll have to watch another movie for that one i might have listened to a cover version of that david bowie song today and the final the the second hour of the finale is called shoot the moon Hmm. 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 
Yeah, I can't wait to to uh, check those out and see how they wrap this season up. So we have two total weeks of Falling Skies left? Two total weeks, three hours. It's a two-hour, two episodes, and the same finale night. Wow, it's com- the end is coming so quickly. What happened? I know, this season has just flown by. I mean, on the one hand, I'm glad because it means Hawaii is that much closer. Right. But yeah. it's also sad because the end of the season is always when the show just gets so good. And then we have to wait almost a year for the rest of the for the know, last for the, one even. Yeah, oh yeah. So sad. Well, we're not there yet. Let's not despair. We okay. still have three hours of falling skies. We shall be glad and rejoice in it. We'll also be glad and rejoice if you would send us in feedback about next week's episode, which is for the third time now, Drawing Straws. You can call us at 304-837-2278 or go over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. And from there, you can upload an audio file. You can type out some feedback or you can use the SpeakPipe widget and record some stuff. We also want you to join our live show. So that's on Tuesdays at 8, 7 central. You can do that by going to goldenspiralmedia.com slash live where you can log into the chat. Also watch us as we chat and record verbally to one another. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We have a couple people in the chat room tonight. Mm -hmm. to ask them a couple questions. We usually rag on Barb a little bit. It's good times. I hope Mickey doesn't feel slighted that we don't rag on him as much as we do Barb. I think it's because Barb gives us more fodder. You know, she calls in and she gives us more... uh, low-hanging fruit and that's really all we're good for is picking the low-hanging fruit right and mickey if you if you wrote in or something we could totally rag on you i'm totally cool with doing that so we would totally enjoy bashing you as much as we do barb all you have to do is write in how's that for an incident to write in folks (laughs) you want a terrible nickname yeah we got those too uh, it's all it's all a bunch of love and fun hopefully uh hopefully barb realizes that i'm quite sure she does so all right well emily it's been a whole lot of fun it has been fun. All right, until next time, guys. Remember that it's always easy to get carried off by aliens. But resistance is never, ever futile. <laughs>